0: I have an incredible privilege to share a message with you this morning. But before we get into that, I I just wanted to follow on what Mel and Church News said earlier about Worthy Women's Conference next weekend. So yeah, really for the ladies, I can't stress enough how much we're believing for a really transformational and blessed weekend. Invite a friend, invite a family member, invite a colleague um, to come along. And then to the men, you know, this is a great opportunity for you to, to serve the ladies. Scripture says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and served her, or gave Himself up for her. So husbands, you should sign up. For those who don't, uh, are not husbands yet, Scripture says, He who finds a wife, finds a good thing and obtains favour from the Lord. Amen. And if you're engaged and you think, well, I don't fit into either of those categories, what about me? Well, there's a scripture where, where, where the Lord speaks to Joseph. And when Joseph woke up, he said, oh, I must go, I must go take Mary as my wife. So for, for all of the men, there is a reason you can sign up at the ticket counter as well. Afterwards, or come speak to me, wear a suit, come sign up and, and serve the ladies. I think it's an incredible privilege we have to serve... The women in our lives. And then finally, before we get into today's message, next Sunday also marks the change in service time for our evening service. So we're moving it forward an hour to 5 p.m. to create more space for us to share a meal together after the service and for us to build community in the evening and hopefully to create a more family friendly time of 5 p.m. So we really are looking forward to seeing you next Sunday evening uh, from 5 p.m. That's Sunday, the 3rd of September. Okay, so on to today's topic. I have titled today's sermon, Don't Miss the Message. Have you ever noticed how often we as people do things without even realising why? One of my um, favourite examples of this is how we as South Africans observe public holidays. Now we have many public holidays in South Africa, all of which are significant, But there are only a few people who realize and remember the significance of those days. The rest of us, we bry. (laughs) You know, we wake up on a Wednesday and we're like, oh, I don't have to go to work today. And if I do, they have to pay me twice. So we, we are good at observing the days. We just don't take the time to remember why we're doing it. It's not only public holidays, I think this is also true at perhaps meal times. I don't know how many of us are like me are guilty when we say grace for what we are about to receive without ever truly being grateful. Because we've forgotten what we do. These are all inherently good practices, observing significant days and saying grace and we should do them but we should never forget the significance of the meaning in the message. Don't Miss the message, So to take us to an example of this in Scripture, we're going to pick up the story of King Josiah, which is found in both 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. King Josiah was only eight years old when he became king. Now, I'm not a parent yet, but having spoken to many parents, that sounds like a really bad idea. Now, nevertheless, King Josiah is actually described as doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord and following the ways of his forefather David. However, Josiah inherited a nation who had forgotten why they were a nation in the first place. This is the nation of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, through whom the Lord said He would bless all the world. This is the nation who God Himself brought out of slavery with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm to display His glory among the world. This is the nation of the Passover lamb, the nation who God took through the waters of both the Red Sea and the Jordan. The nation that the Lord led through the wilderness with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night and fed them with manna and water from a rock. This is the nation with whom the Lord entered into a covenant at Mount Sinai and displayed Himself and said, I will be your God and you will be my people. And He gave them the 10 commandments through Moses. This is the nation of King David and his temple and King Solomon and all his wealth and wisdom and the building of the Lord's temple. And yet, this same nation had forgotten who they were. They had forgotten why they were even a nation in the first place. They had forgotten the covenant to be God's people and they had forgotten to represent Him to the world, to establish His ways and His wisdom and His worship. So when Josiah became king, the temple had its priests in place, but the temple had also been allowed to fall into ruin and they had the worship of other gods in the temple of the Lord. And so, the, and the high priest, whose role was appointed to be the overseer of all religious activities in accordance with the book of the law, didn't even know about the book of the law. Didn't have it. That's a bit like you coming to church to hear the pastor, and the pastor doesn't know about the Bible, doesn't have one, that, that would seem inappropriate. It's a bit like a referee running onto the field, having never read the laws of the game, which is what most of you accuse us of doing in any case. <laughs> the people weren't bad people, in fact Scripture says that they were good people, they were trustworthy, they were skillful, they were faithful, they're just allowed themselves to forget their true purpose. And as a result, they, were, they had misplaced their efforts. You see, being trustworthy and faithful and, and skillful doesn't require you to even be a follower of the law. That's sort of the bare minimum expectation. And even us as followers of God, these people we were meaning to be followers of God, they were meaning to be faithful, we can be faithful, skillful and trustworthy, but miss the true meaning and true message of what God is calling us to do. The people simply laboured in their work without the wonder of worshipping the Lord and walking in His ways and displaying His wisdom to to all the world. And so Josiah set out to reform that. Josiah decided to repair the temple that had been allowed to go to ruin and to remove the idols from the place of worship. He commissioned the workers, and then while they were repairing the temple, the high priest found the book of the law. And I wonder, like Israel in Josiah's day, whether we may build our lives on on biblical principles, but we might bury the Bible under the busyness of our lives. We may, may we not, in our efforts to work for God, forget about God Himself and so find ourselves accidentally stumbling upon the Word of God rather than allowing the Word of God to inform and equip and inspire the works of God. We, we run the risk of, in our, even in our dedication of our work to the Lord in His temple, that we start worshipping the work rather than the one whom we are working for. And so the high priest finds the book of the law and has the secretary read it and then take it back to the king. But the secretary clearly doesn't realise the significance of what he's read. So he, he, you know, one would think that if you stumbled upon the book of the law and you're the people of Israel, you'd be like, oh my word, I'm going to stop what I'm doing right now. I'm going to acknowledge the Lord. I'm going to set about a reform, which is what Josiah did. But the secretary sort of goes back to the king and he's... He's commissioned by the priest, go report this to the king. But he goes back to the king and he starts speaking about how the money is being used and how the work is happening. And then he's like, oh, and um, we found a book. Like an afterthought. It's just a book. So when the secretary reads the book to the king, the king recognizes the significance of the Word of God. This is no ordinary book. He he doesn't miss the message. He tears his robes and he sets about these reforms. This book contains the very words of God and the very heart of God. It is the book of the covenant between God and man, between God and His people, that God has made Himself known to man, that God is revealing how He is reconciling the world to Himself, and that He is inviting us to take on the privilege and responsibility to shine that light to the world, to reconcile the world to Him. And yet, we run the risk, like the secretary did, of missing the message. Oh, we found a book. But the king, the king recognised the message and he tore his robes. My encouragement to us today is to help us remember why we're here in the first place, why we come out on Sundays, why we raise our hands in worship, why we offer up our prayers, why we serve at church, and why we read Scripture. This good book contains the very words of God and the very heart of God it's the book of the covenant between God and us his people that he has reconciled us to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them and that he has commissioned to us this message of reconciliation to go out into the world and to reconcile the world to God in Christ don't miss the message this is why we're here in the first place, why we come out on Sundays, why we raise our hands in worship, why we pray, why we read scripture, why we serve. The God of all creation, the maker of heaven and earth, the Lord Almighty, has spoken to us and revealed himself to us. He desires to know us personally and for us to know him, to commune with him, and to work. He desires to work through us in carrying on his message to the whole world. Our faith and our Christian life is not just one element of a multifaceted life, not simply an add-on that is supplementary. That would be to miss the message. Instead, this should be the very foundation, the very core and essence of our being, our main functional operation onto which everything else is additional. So my encouragement to us today is for us to not simply go through the motions but to find the true meaning, the true message, and the true miracle. God has spoken, and God is still speaking to us today. My hope is that we will, like King Josiah, recognize the significance of what is being said, and respond appropriately because of what God is saying, realizing that we have been called into a relationship with God, and called to reveal God, into all the world. So let's jump into the text to pick up the story before we look at some practical applications from King Josiah that we can apply to our everyday lives. 2nd Chronicles chapter 34. <clears throat> While they were bringing out the money that had been taken into the temple of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord that had been given through Moses. Hilkiah said to Shaphan the secretary, "I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan to read. Then Shaphan took the book to the king and reported to him, your officials are doing everything that has been committed to them. They have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the supervisors and workers. Then Shaphan informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. But when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. Shaphan the secretary missed the message. It was just an afterthought. Ah, we found a book. But the king, he recognised what was being said. The Bible for them had been buried underneath the busyness of life. But the king realised that this was no ordinary book, no ordinary message. These are God's very own words. And they call on us to respond appropriately. So I'd like to look at four things we can learn from Josiah's response that we can all apply to our lives in response to this good book. Firstly, Josiah recognised the true message and responded accordingly. There are two very distinct responses in this story to the discovery of the book of the law. The secretary, who simply said as an afterthought, "Ah, the priest gave me a book. And Josiah, who recognised the very words of God and responded by tearing his robes. That is to respond in all humility and awe and worship. He inquired of the Lord after this. The scripture is going to tell us that the Lord was gracious to, D- to Josiah based on the way that he responded. Last week, Pastor George spoke about the way we approach scripture being an important aspect of how we read the Bible. I believe Josiah's story confirms that as he had... We learned earlier in the story that he had set his heart to seek after his forefather, David, or the God of his forefather, David, to follow him with all his heart, even though he didn't have the word of the Lord. And so when he heard the word of the Lord, he recognised it, because his heart posture was that of seeking after the Lord. There are many examples in Scripture of the significance of how we approach God and how we respond to recognising the word of God. Famously, Moses recognized an encounter with God and responded appropriately. Even in the mundane rhythms of everyday life, the routine of a shepherd going out in the desert, a burning bush would have been ordinary for a shepherd in a desert to see. But Moses recognized that this is the word of God. This is God himself coming to encounter man. And Moses responded in humility by acknowledging that this was a holy God coming to speak to him. So may we like Moses and like Josiah have a heart committed to seeking the Lord, eager to encounter God so that we may have God reveal Himself to us even in the ordinary routines and rhythms of everyday life. Sometimes we may not recognise immediately that it is God speaking to us and it's okay, God is gracious and patient with us. Samuel had God call to him three times before he recognized that it was God's voice. And even then, he required the help of Eli, the priest, to help him recognize this is God's voice. So we ought to also surround ourselves with people that help us recognize that this is God speaking to you. Isaiah recognized when he was encountering God and he thought, oh my word, I'm I'm surely gonna die (laughs) because I'm encountering a holy God. But God is gracious to us And instead of us being overwhelmed by a holy God, the holy God makes us holy so we can stand in His presence. Both Samuel and Isaiah responded appropriately when they encountered God by saying, Here I am, Lord, send me. The disciple Andrew was set on seeking the Lord, originally one of John the Baptist's disciples, wanting to seek the Lord. And so all it required when John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, Andrew was gone. He already had his heart set on following the Lord. So as soon as John pointed to Jesus, Andrew followed Jesus. Not only that, but Andrew, the first thing he did after following Jesus was run to tell someone else. He ran to tell Simon, his brother, we found the Messiah, and perhaps we, we ought to be like Andrew when we recognise God. God, Go tell somebody else. Be like Eli to Samuel. Help them recognise the word, of the, the word of the Lord. And even if they don't respond positively immediately, God is gracious. Simon said to Andrew, leave me alone. But Jesus came to him and had to perform a miracle in order for Simon to, to react appropriately. But once we've shared it with God, God is able to reveal himself. And then in the miraculous, Simon responded with absolute humility. These stories of faith and the scripture on Josiah encourage us that when we recognize God and respond appropriately, the Lord is gracious towards us. So, uh, thank you. I needed that so of order. Second Chronicles 34, tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before God when you heard what He spoke against this place and its people, and because you humbled yourself before me and tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. God desires to encounter each one of us For each one of us to recognize that it is God Himself speaking to us and to respond appropriately with humility, with awe, and with worship. May we, like Josiah and the great men and women of faith, say in response to recognizing the revelation of God, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Secondly, having recognized the significance of the Word of God and responded accordingly, Josiah renewed the covenant with God. To renew the covenant is to commit to having God as our Lord and to having us be the people of God, to reveal His ways, His wisdom, and His worship to all the world. The beauty of Josiah's humility and response is that he didn't wait to first get his house in order before renewing the covenant. He first renewed the covenant And then God allowed God to clean him up. He was warts and all. He went in and renewed the covenant. God doesn't expect us to be holy when He encounters us. Instead, He encounters us with His his holiness and transforms us. Isaiah, who we mentioned earlier, was convinced he would die. He went into the presence of God and said, I am a man of unclean lips and, and people who are unholy. And yet God touched him. And made Him holy so that He was able to stand in His presence. This was, of course, the ultimate foreshadow of what Jesus came to do. A holy God come into an unholy world to make us whole again. God invites us to renew the covenant with Him just as we are. And He will make us holy. Don't put off your response to God because you're waiting to get things sorted. Waiting to get your house in order. Renew the covenant to be the people of God and allow God to reveal Himself to you and through you. When you do this, you're bound to get some opposition like Josiah did. Josiah had to deal with the priests who were worshipping other gods and had to deal with some opposition to establish the worship of the one true God. But despite opposition, we are called to have a conviction As Joshua famously said, you choose for yourselves who you're going to serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Others followed the example of Josiah. One man and a young man at that was enough to transform a nation. Don't downplay the significance of the role that your transformation can have on others. Renew the covenant and reveal God's ways, His wisdom and His worship. The covenant existed as a commitment between God and Israel that He would be their God and that they would be His people to follow His ways and to reveal Him to all the world. And that's the same call to us today. Israel, we're called to be a nation of priests, priests being representatives of God, and we are called as a kingdom of priests, a holy people, God's special possession, to declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His wonderful light. We're called to be representatives of God, revealing Him to all the world. What does that look like? Well, simply we're called to be salt and light to the world, to bear much fruit, fruit that will last, fruit of the Spirit of love and joy, peace and patience, kindness and gentleness, faithfulness, righteousness and self-control. Jesus said, the world will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. Our love of God and our love of others is simply the way we reveal God to all the world. 2 Chronicles 34. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by his pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord, to follow the Lord and keep His commands, statutes and decrees with all His heart and all His soul and to obey the words of the covenant written in this book. Then He had everyone in Jerusalem and Benjamin pledge themselves to it. The people of Jerusalem did this in accordance with the covenants of God, the God of their ancestors. Josiah removed all the detestable idols from all the territory belonging to the Israelites and he had all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. As long as he lived... They did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their ancestors. May we follow Josiah's example and renew our commitment to God. Thirdly, and the last scripture began to reference it, Josiah removed the idols and the gods that set themselves up against the knowledge of the one true God and rebuilt the temple and the nation of God. We may read the stories in Scripture of the worship of idols and the sacrifices of animals and even children to other gods and think, that's barbaric. There's no way we would do that. That's outdated. And yet, I think we all know it hits home when we read the Scripture, the first commandment that says we shall have no other gods before God. And when Jesus says, we cannot serve two masters, either we will hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. I think when we read those Something rings true. I certainly have to ask myself the question: What else has become like a god that I worship, and what have I sacrificed on the altar of career or public perception or monetary gain? Having renewed the covenant, warts and all, Josiah had a long, hard look at himself and at his nation, and determined that some things needed to be removed in order for them to rebuild a nation that set itself up to be the people of God. Perhaps it's simply some thought patterns or some language, perhaps it's some underlying beliefs, or perhaps it's our priorities or that which gets our greatest attention that needs to be looked at and either removed or at least reprioritized. Perhaps we need to ask ourselves, what have we allowed to creep into God's temple, both the physical institution, the church, but also you and I, the people, of God, each one of us, that needs to be rooted out and removed. How are we sacrificing the innocence of our children? What are we, or where are we going for knowledge rather than going to the source of wisdom himself? Where are we elevating the cre- creation whilst forgetting about the Creator? How are we looking to philosophy and any other new age things instead of going to the one who knows the beginning from the end? 2 Kings 23 says, The king ordered Hilkiah the priest, the priests next in rank and the doorkeepers, to remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Baal and Asherah and all the starry hosts. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron Valley and took the ashes to Bethel. He did away with the idolatrous priests appointed by the kings of Judah to burn incense on the high places of the towns of Judah and on those around Jerusalem, those who burned incense to Baal to the sun and moon, to the constellation and to all the starry hosts. That simply says some things need to be removed, replaced or reprioritized. And then once we've done some removing, some things need to be rebuilt. Some things like the temple in Josiah's day that we've allowed to go to ruin. Perhaps there are some relationships that require you to take the first step in rebuilding, to lay the first rebuilding brick. Perhaps there are some hopes and dreams that need to be rebuilt. Perhaps some self-esteem or some views of ourselves that need to be rebuilt. Jesus has taken the first big step in the rebuilding process of our lives. He came to fulfill the scripture in Isaiah 61 that tells us that those whom Jesus rebuilds will in turn rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. That scripture is telling us that it is our time now to do the rebuilding. 2 Chronicles 34, in the 18th year of Josiah's reign, to purify the land and the temple, he sent Shaphan, son of Azaliah and Messiah, the ruler of the city, with Joah, son of Joas, the recorder, to repair the temple of the Lord, his God. So like Josiah, we have been called to remove some things, and then to rebuild the nation of God, the people of God. And then finally, Josiah remembered the Passover meal and returned to the traditions that had established his people as the people of God. The significance of the Passover meal, I don't think, can be overstated in its importance for the people of Israel. It was the remembrance of the final act of God's delivery from their slavery in Egypt, and God had decreed that it would be remembered among all people for all generations. And yet, Israel forgot about the Passover meal. For Israel to forget about the Passover meal is for them to forget about their true identity. The Passover meal was, of course, a precursor of what Jesus came to do the eternal Passover lamb, whose blood would cover us from death and lead us to eternal life that would lead to our ultimate deliverance, God's ultimate act of redemption and mercy to all mankind. And on the night before He he was betrayed, Jesus celebrated the Passover meal with His disciples. He broke bread with them and He gave them the cup to drink and He said, do this in remembrance of Me. The significance of the true message of the book of the law, this good book, the true message of our faith is that of our salvation in Jesus Christ the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. At the end of the day, we can cut through all the noise and simplify the message, keep the main thing, the main thing. We are to remember the sacrifice of Jesus and return to the simplicity and significance of communion, His body broken and His blood shed for the forgiveness of sins, that through Him we might have life and life eternal. This is a reminder of God's ultimate and eternal plan of redemption and restoration for the whole world through Christ. This is the message. Communion is a reminder that for all our hard work, we were powerless and helpless in our sin, and yet God intervened on our behalf because of His great love for us. Participating in communion is remembering that God Himself has taken responsibility for our salvation and we are simply invited to return to Him. The significance of sharing the Passover meal for the nation of Israel and the significance of Jesus sharing the Passover meal with His disciples is not only the fact that we remember what God has done for us and return to Him, not only that we commune with God, but also that we commune with one another and remind one another of the goodness and the grace of God to us in Jesus. Significantly, in the story of Josiah, all the people celebrated the Passover together in their families. In 2 Chronicles 35, it says, Josiah celebrated the Passover to the Lord in Jerusalem, and the Passover lamb was slaughtered on the 14th day of the first month. Prepare yourselves by families in your divisions, according to the instructions written by David, king of Israel, and by his son Solomon, it goes on to say that the Passover had not been observed like this in Israel since the days of the prophet Samuel, and none of the kings of Israel had ever celebrated such a Passover as did Josiah with the priests, the Levites, and all Judah and Israel who were there with the people of Jerusalem. I think it's incredibly significant that the Passover was remembered and celebrated in families. And it was described as a Passover, the like of which had never been celebrated before. I think it's significant that the Lord's Supper, the night before Jesus was betrayed, He shared with His disciples, those who had become His community. There is significance for us to share communion, the remembrance of the Lord and our returning to Him together with one another in families and in communities. The famous Shema prayer, which the Israelites have prayed for thousands of years, tells us to share our faith together in our families and in our community of believers, to remind ourselves, our families, our children, to remind one another that, of the Lord and to re- return to Him. The prayer is in Deuteronomy chapter six. It goes like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That prayer encompasses every aspect of our lives. When we're at home and when we go to work, The work of our hands, we see them on our wrists. It's a reminder of God. When others see us, it's on our heads. They're reminded of God. When we leave our home, it's on our door frames. We're reminded of God. When we get back in the gates, we're reminded of God. We impress them on our children. We talk about them at home. We talk about them wherever we go. I thank God for parents. Oh, man. I was doing so well why am I the guy who cries all the time? I'm going to look down and read this if that's okay and then just, fine, okay. I thank God for parents who sat us down at the dinner table and remembered the Lord. Uh It's just the cold. That's um. That's all it is. I thank God for parents who took us to church every Sunday, even when we didn't wanna go. I thank God for parents who taught us right from wrong and who taught us the Lord's ways and who taught us to pray and to remind us to return to the Lord. You know, no teenage boy wants to be an altar boy in the Anglican church, but I thank God my parents had me do it. You know, in hindsight, I realized I had the significance of serving the priest as he or she served communion to others. What a privilege. Communion brings us into communion with God, but also communion with one another. I, thank God, I met my wife at a communion drive through <laughs> Connecting. <laughs> We're connected over the ultimate act. Of sacrificial love remember remembering the Lord not only helps us return to God but helps us return to one another to our marriages and to our families to return to the way God instituted it from the beginning may we like Josiah remember the significance of the Passover and return to the Lord today my encouragement is that we don't miss the message Today I'd like to ask us, what if God is asking you to be Josiah where you are? What if God is calling you to get out of the routine of everyday life to receive a revelation, to unearth the Bible that has been buried underneath the busyness of our lives? What if God is calling on you and I to receive a revelation from God and have that transform the world around us? We may not be the king of a nation, but we are all called to lead our own lives, our marriages, our families, our workplaces, our worlds. So be Josiah right where you are. This is not just a book. It's not some inconsequential tradition we observe for culture or custom's sake. This is the most important message in all the world. May we be encouraged to not just go through our lives in the motions, but to allow the meaning of the message to, to, to transform our lives. Our response, like Josiah's, has an impact that can span generations. The blessing of God is available to us and to our families and future generations when we respond appropriately, when we renew our covenant with God, when we rebuild God's ways, and when we remember Him. The world is waiting for us to reveal God's ways, God's wisdom and God's worship. Today, may we determine to follow the example of Josiah. Don't miss the message. Establish your life, establish your marriage, your family, your workplace, your world on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. There is an impact to be made in taking up the role or call of Josiah. I pray that this has encouraged you today. I'm going to invite you to stand with me if you're you're able to. As you stand, I want to remind you that there is personal prayer available. Our team will be coming forward to pray with you after the service. If you're online, you can fill in an online prayer request card and our our team will will contact you and pray with you. There are also anonymous prayer and praise report cards up front where our communion is. And... um, our pastoral team prays over those in the week we received one this past week um, which of somebody really battling battling with suicidal ideations and if if that is you we really are praying for you but we don't want you to be alone so please do come speak to us God is with you and we are with you and, and we really want to support you and pray with you through this okay shall we pray yeah Father we are incredibly grateful for your great love for us revealed in your son Jesus Christ. Thank you that you first loved us and so you invite us graciously to recognize your love and to respond to you. Father today I pray for those here in person and online who are ready to recognize the word of God and to respond to you. Father, would you stir up a response in our hearts to renew a covenant, to have you as our God and to be your people, and to reveal your ways and your wisdom and your worship to all the world. Father, teach us that which needs to be removed and that which needs to be rebuilt in our lives, rebuilding the ways of God. And may we remember always the goodness of God revealed in your Son, Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Would we return to you with humble hearts, but with grateful adoration for a King who has loved us. So we thank you for this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for church today. Coffee available in Warehouse One and guest lounge at the back. And don't forget your worthy tickets. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Goodbye.